Hello and welcome to our new podcast, The Drums TV Talks. I'm media editor, John McCarthy. And I'm TV reporter, Hannah Bowler. Each week, we'll sit down with the decision makers, media owners, ad tech execs, and producers shaping the future of TV to explain the role advertising has in funding the industry and re-establishing dominance as the best screen in the house. So we're going to be explaining TV advertising in simple-ish terms without the complicated jargon. We basically want to make the TV ad sector a piece of cake to understand. So thanks for joining our TV Talks. Well, Hannah, episode five of TV Talks. We made it. That feels like a huge achievement. Congratulations to us. I'm surprised we're still here, to be honest, because sometimes we're chaos. We are always chaos. We are word people, not voice people. When they told us they wanted to make our words into voices, we were, we were worried a bit. So this week is Barb. If you're listening to a podcast called TV Talks, you probably know what Barb is. If you don't, here's the Wikipedia page. The organisation was set up in 1981 to provide an industry standard TV audience measurement service for both broadcasters and Adland. I changed advertising industry to Adland there because I didn't want to repeat industry. Wikipedia is not perfect. So Hannah, how are you this week? Let's, let's get into the emotions. Get into the emotions. Yeah, to us, it's been a, been a good week. I've been down on the ground at the drum labs um, doing a lot of work around the drum awards. We had the online media and the search awards this week, which were pretty jazzy, to be honest. Um, the search awards, I was struck by how much of a nerd I was because, man, I love that data. Yeah, similarly, I've been going through all the case studies and winners of the search awards this week, and I've been like, oh, that's clever. Oh, well done you, you know. Um, well, that's not TV, that's search. We've went off track. I'm keeping this in, though, because it's, it's, just, it's just great chat. Um, so, back to Barb. Well, back to data, to be honest, because... Who are we not if we're not data nerds over here, John McCarthy? And who better than to go into data than Barb? Yeah, uh, Justin Sampson, chief executive of Barb, also really likes data, um, as do his clients, which Barb knows how many people watch a thing. Uh, traditionally, that's been on linear TV. And increasingly in the last few years, it's went to VOD. And as of November last year, I think they started measuring SVOD through routers, um, your Netflixes, your Apple TV, the Apple TV Plus. I always forget if there's a plus in there. Yeah, there's always a plus, John. When in doubt, what do the streaming services do? Shove a plus on it. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, and obviously this week we were covering Netflix, discovering they might need ads. Will that be a plus? I, I will I'll bet you good money. There might be a plus. That X on the end of Netflix, just give it a little tilt. ITVX did that recently, didn't they? But um, yeah, so Justin, I, I questioned him on, on what Barb have been doing for the last few years and how they've prepared for the future of TV, the convergence, streaming becoming TV, TV becoming streaming. It was really interesting to chat with him. We know that people have been questioning the, the usefulness of panels, as we go into streaming, but um, he's assured me that the, all the sort of extra little clip-ons and add-ons they're doing in the squad and digital space sort of give them some good footing. And we'll have to give a warning. 
I had COVID in this interview and I was holding in a cough for precisely 45 minutes. I was going to edit out the cough I did after Justin left the call, but may well just put it in as a little Easter egg for the people at the end because I know everyone loves thinking about COVID and coughing and fluid in the lungs. And that's, maybe we should have watched a podcast about that. I also think people write authenticity and sometimes, sometimes you've got COVID. Also, sometimes your microphone is broken in the introduction. And so second apologies, disclaimer, poor audio, sorry. Yeah, well, Hannah, I'm glad you brought it up. Um, our audience will be wondering why a person with arguably the best voice on the podcast, I'll let them decide, is sort of in a cavey, echoey chamber. And listener, that's actually because she is in a cave. Um, Hannah Bowler, our TV reporter, does dwell in caves. It's on the record. <laughs> anyway, let's stop messing around and let's get into the interview. All right. Well, I'm looking forward to hearing everything that Justin's got to say. Justin, it's good to meet you. Um, before we jump into the more technical aspects, why don't you remind us what Barb's role in the media ecosystem is? why it's important that advertisers have access. Sure. Um, I mean, DARB is what's known as a joint industry currency. Um, and that, that sort of um, conveys the idea that we are created by the industry for the industry. And we, at the heart of what we do, we, we fulfil three purposes. So for programme makers, we deliver insight on a daily basis to help them understand uh, people's viewing choices, uh, which guide the investment decisions that they make in not just what kind of programs they make, but where they distribute them and how they distribute them. So that's the first purpose. So the, the second purpose is for the buyers and sellers of advertising, um, advertisers through their agencies and the commercial broadcasters use our data to um, not only set the price for advertising, um, but, but importantly, our data can be used alongside other sources to establish the effectiveness of the advertising campaigns um, uh, that advertisers buy. And the third important purpose is to help those involved in regulation to assess how media services are operating um, within regulation and notably in, in line with um, public interest. So that those are the three purposes that our data, um, which is delivered on a daily basis, um, are used across the different parts of the industry. So that's essentially what we're here for. That's the existential question answered. We know why we exist. Not everyone can answer that. Um, so there you go. Um, and maybe we could briefly dig into how you collect that audience data and uh, how that changed as of November 2021. Um, you, I think you called it a once-in-a-generation upgrade. Yeah, and actually, it's worth saying, so Barb launched in um, 1981. Sorry to go back even further. but um, And ever since then, we've been dealing with a, a dynamic market uh, in which the, the the distribution of content is is fragmenting. So the first example of fragmentation we had to deal with was the launch of Channel Four back in 1982, um, because there are only three channels when we we started. Um, 
and we, we've c- continuously evolved the way we measure audiences to keep up with with the changes. And then before I talk about specifically what happened in November 2021, um, to, just to answer the sort of broader question about the, the data sources that we use, a, a, a big change happened about five, six years ago. Until then, we, we relied solely on information that we collected from a panel of homes um, uh, distributed around the country, carefully selected to ensure that the panel represented the breadth of UK society. And we, we collected data from these homes, uh, actual viewing behaviour. And five or six years ago, we took a big step forward because we also started collecting from uh, streaming services, census data. So the broadcasters embed in their apps, BBC iPlayer, ITV um, Hub or ITVX as it will be, or four, that they embed a bit of software code, which means we collect uh, granular data about viewing whenever anybody in the country, not just people on our panel, but anybody in the country is watching those services. That's what we mean by census data. And, and so what we're working with is two data sources now. We've got the panel, which is um, tremendously valuable in giving us rich insight into how different types of people view different types of content. And then we've got the census data, which is really robust. Um, and from a researcher's perspective, virtually uh, uh, the margin of error is virtually nil, to give you an idea of the volume of viewing to um, streaming services. So we, we integrate those two sources through a technique that we call dovetail fusion. And, and so that was a really big step in, in terms of how we collect data. Now, the, the big thing that happened in November 2021 was that we were able to expand the range of services we were reporting audiences for. But prior to that, we had reported audiences to services that have chosen to participate in BARB. But the, the dilemma this gave us was that there were very significant services, Netflix, TikTok, YouTube, Disney+, Amazon Prime, who hadn't, at that point, decided to participate in BARB, but, but whose audiences we suspected were very significant. So as of November 2021, we were able to start reporting on a daily basis audiences to those services, and we we deliver an aggregate uh, level of viewing to those services, um, and we also report content level ratings on the three biggest subscription VOD services. That's uh, Amazon Prime Video, Disney Plus, and Netflix. And um, Disney Plus, by the way, is now a subscriber, so it is participating. So that's that's the headlines there, which hopefully gets the your question, John. It certainly does. It certainly does. Um, and it's, it's interesting that we've added on the the, the blind spot, if you like. There's the spots, um, and it's also interesting to see Disney Plus coming aboard. This sees itself very much as be one of the TV guys than the streamers. Interesting. They were the only SVOD platform to grow in the fourth quarter last year, um, which is indicative of the difficulties they might have ahead as well, uh, the subscription services. So um, it sounds wise that they would also want to see how the market share is panning out. I, I wonder what value this VOD access sort of provides your partner broadcasters. I think the, w- whether you're an established uh, linear broadcaster who's seen an increasing, to your words, blind spot, um, in, in the barb data, we, we call it, we have called it unidentified viewing. Um, 
or whether you are uh, a streaming service that until now has relied on the data you collect from the devices that are being used to watch your services. For, for both those groups of people, I would argue that if you're interested in getting more people to watch more of your content, you need to understand what they're watching when they're not watching your service. So for the linear broadcasters, they wanted to look into this unidentified viewing and understand what, what kind of programs are people choosing to watch on Netflix and Amazon Prime Video. Um, and I would argue to the likes of Netflix and Amazon Prime Video, if you're only relying on data that you're collecting directly from your subscribers, you're, you're missing out on understanding what your subscribers are watching when they're not within your wall garden. And, and so I think there's tremendous value in these data for all services, whether they, whether you're a linear, uh, traditional linear broadcaster who's expanding your streaming services or you're a streaming service that's trying to get another increasing amount of time in front with the eyeballs of the, the UK population. And I think it was recent research from your organisation so was it households with access yep, surged past 19 million? John, the 19 million, that's 19 million households, and there are 26 million households in the country. So it's, it's more than, it, it's well over two-thirdly of homes that have at least one SVOD subscription. Let's take it back to the point you made about advertisers and um, proving the effectiveness of their buy um, and also the pricing element. Um, I would just like to sort of hone in on how your data helps them make these decisions. So um, ever since we started back in uh, 40 odd years ago, we've um, uh, worked with the industry to define the techniques needed to identify as accurately as possible the audiences to individual adverts. Um, and from that, we're able to um, help agencies at pre-campaign um, stage to plan and work out which types of airtime they should be buying into to get to the audiences that their advertiser clients are interested in. Um, we've also, for linear advertising, sort of provided post-campaign validation of how many people actually saw um, the ads as well. So we, we've provided our fully rounded pre- and post-campaign uh, validation for linear advertising campaigns since, since uh, we started. Um, very importantly, I think, we, we, we've also taken the view that if, if people want to take our viewing data and combine it with other sources, uh, brand awareness studies, shopper studies, um, then, then they can do that. And by doing that, um, it, it, it becomes... Uh, very possible to understand the effectiveness, um, not just in terms of how many people were exposed to the campaigns, but what, what uh, outcomes did it drive for the brands um, in question, whether it be awareness, um, attitudinal shifts, uh, actual um, product sales. So so we, we've provided that service since um, the early 80s and we continue to do so. Yeah, uh, you don't get anywhere without that big speech number, first of all, and then... I think we, we, we sorry to, I think we also need to re reflect on the fact that marketing campaigns have a range of different objectives. It's not like they're all trying to build awareness, they're not all trying to change attitudes, they're not all trying to drive sales, and sometimes they're trying to do more than one of those things. So proving effect is, is, is quite tricky and is going to be quite unique to the, the advertiser and the campaign's that they're working on at any given moment in time. 
um, sensing a lot of headaches in industry. When the tool could, when it was a hammer, you would hammer nails. Um, but now everyone's expecting a full toolkit. Um, you know, they're trying to sell directly in their ads. Or as you say, the, the off element was interesting too, where you're maybe a DTC firm and you're raising awareness and selling pillows with a QR code. I don't know, but uh, no, it's someone else's issue to solve. <laughs> I think the it, it, an, an important ingredient to solving that is is being able to link that outcome information back to exposure information, and, and we provide exposure information in a way that's trusted and reliable. Yeah, uh, no, it's not going to change anytime soon. Obviously, in November, you had your big uh, launch, but how are you future-proofing the business uh, with the linear viewing sort of ever so slightly, just skewing down every year? As you say, you've always been prepared for the fragmentation uh, and you caught, you provided the timely reminder that, you know, Channel 4's introduction was just another example of that. But uh, yeah, can you sort of give us an idea of what you're prepared for this year? Um, well, one of the things that we know is an increasing part of um, the, the conversations that advertisers are having with with, with broadcasters and uh, other media platforms as well is being able to deliver what is called either addressable advertising or personalised advertising. And um, th- this is something that we uh, re- recognise is going to be, uh, I think, a growing uh, part of um, the commercial relationships between advertisers and broadcasters, and we, we've and we've we've actually kind of prepared for this already. So back in 2013, I think it was Sky launched AdSmart, um, which is a um, uh, for those of you who don't know, it's a, a way of personalising ads within a linear um, ad um, break. And um, we we worked with Sky from the launch of AdSmart to ensure that um, whilst we weren't providing the trading currency for AdSmart, we were providing transparency in terms of ensuring that the linear advertiser who'd been swapped out wasn't being charged for that ad. Um, But also we've been reporting to the industry for the last... Uh, I guess nine years now, the the, the volume of inventory, um, the volume of Sky inventory that's being used for AdSmart, and then we, Sky um, transacts directly with advertisers using its own data. So that provides a um, a template for us to build on for all the the new addressable advertising um, products that we 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 know are being launched and developed by the commercial broadcasters. Uh, this is, I think, going to be a big part of. Um, us providing sort of very sort of flexible but transparent reporting um, for for the industry going forward, and, and us ensuring that our data um, are are relevant to the way that um, our, our advertising campaigns are being planned and bought, uh, not just now but in the years to come. So so that's something that we continue to work on. Yeah, it was quite uh, eye opening. The the sort of duration of time you've been doing that for uh, nine years was it? Um, it was like uh, AdSmart being a market leader, but pushing good stead. Um, now being Barb um, having that insight into all of the consumer viewing of entertainment over the last few years, um, I wonder if there's any interesting trends you can share 
um, of consumer viewing on TV, maybe these last few years, or, or perhaps anything you've found out about audiences since you added on this, this flawed element? I think there's some... Um, uh, I mean, the first thing to note is um, clearly there has been over the last few years a big um, sort of move towards services that allow viewers to watch what they want when they want. Um, but we need to be careful not to get carried away and think that that's what everybody's doing all the time. There are still very large, significant audiences to uh, linear um, schedules. Um, there's still a lot of viewing to um, live television. Um, anybody who has you believe that um, live television is is dead, um, you need to correct them and say that's not right. Um, uh, but inevitably, a lot of the uh, sort of the day to day conversations are driven by the shiny new things, which is the um, on demand services, um, um, and they are doing pretty well. And we can see that uh, not just from the data we launched in November. We we could already see before that how services such as BBC iPlayer and uh, Sky Go and All Four and ITV uh, Hub and My Five. We're all kind of meeting a, a need in terms of allowing people to watch what they want when they want. Um, the, the other thing to um, highlight is, again, our data, it, it kind of reinforces what most of us probably thought was happening anyway, which is that um, if people want to watch professionally produced long-form content, then they are going to gravitate towards the biggest screen available, the TV set. But if they're watching video sharing services where um, a lot of the content isn't professionally produced and it's short form, and so uh, the likes of TikTok and YouTube, this is where smartphones in particular and tablets sort of are, are more widely used to watch those kind of services. So we're getting a, lo a lot of insight, which just kind of reinforces what we would tend to believe. And um, and, and, and you kind of think, well, if we've done all this work just to get data to reinforce what we thought, what, um, but, but actually that's one of the important points of the data, which is to just temper some of those um, more um, uh, hyperbolic comments about how quickly the streaming services are eating into what has been traditionally uh, the way people have viewed. Um, certainly there are a significant part of the UK diet, but they're, they're by no means um, running away with things. And, and if you look at the most watched programs, um, if we look at the top 20 most watched programs in February, only one of them was only available on SVOD service, and that was Encanto on Disney+. Plus. All the other top 20 were on BBC, ITV, um, all, all the big linear channels still dominating with the most watched programs. People are still watching national broadcasters, what? Um, no, it was a very good point to make. Um, people got a bit carried away with new entries. Um, now, I'm looking at the breadth of content available on these streaming services now, especially Netflix, and it's it's not what it once was. Let's just say that. Um, if the broadcasters play their hand right, they might take back some of those audiences. That's my, that's my feeling. I think there's a good analogy. Um, this is an, I'm borrowing this analogy from ITV who um, at their recent launch of ITVX talked about how viewers want two types of programming. They want, they want fireworks and they want bonfires. 
to the fireworks of the new launches, which people want to watch as quickly as possible. Um, so the headline grabbing um, sort of uh, dramas and um, things like that, uh, new movies. Um, but they also need bonfires, programs that deliver them constant entertainment day after day, week after week. And this is why soap operas are still so popular. Um, pe people like the, the comfort and the, the intrigue of keeping up to date with their late, uh, with the soap operas. And, and so, so viewers need those two types of content. And, and what we can see in our data, if you look at the, the viewing programmes on SVOD, there are some real fireworks. So don't look up the movie on Netflix that we could see there was a huge burst of audience shortly after that was launched and now there's virtually no audience to it. Do you look at something like The Simpsons on Disney Plus and there's just a constant audience to, to The Simpsons on Disney Plus, which is providing a bedrock of audiences for the SVOD services. Um, things like Friends and Sheldon and... Oh, oh no, Justin, there are people watching Sheldon, Young Sheldon. Oh my goodness! No accounting for taste, but that's okay. You can see. I'm this. glad you said that. Yeah, I guess I can. Um, oh my! Uh, that's what happens when everyone has the choice to watch whatever they want. <laughs> they then watch Young Sheldon. Wow! <laughs> Sorry, I'm in, I'm in shock. Um, that's okay. Well, I, f I found this conversation really interesting, especially with some of the. Uh, I enjoyed the the bonfire and the fireworks. Um, I've not heard that analogy before. What's the final question? How do you think ITV could use this barb data to sort of ensure the success of ITVX? Um, how could this put them on firm footing with what they're launching uh, later this year? And we're not really here to comment on a particular broadcaster's services, or I just go back to what I was saying earlier about the value of these data to all different types of services, whether you are a linear broadcaster expanding your digital proposition or whether you're a a digital first streaming service that's interested in getting more viewers to spend more time with, with your platform, then I think our data provide real insight into what real people are doing. And I mean, when we, um, everything we do is framed by um, three sort of fundamental needs of the industry, the first of which is understanding people. And um, if you want to understand people, then you, you need to have a, a service like Barb, which has got at its heart a panel representing the breadth of UK society, which gives you real insight into what real people are doing. Um, and then we are determined to sort of make that as um, a trusted and reliable source as possible. And, and we don't just rely on measuring the, the the internet servers or satellites or transmitters that deliver the signals. We we, we need to understand people. So um, that, that's the first thing that, that we we deliver, and we continue to focus on that being the heart of our remit. And um, we, we also know people want um, an always on currency. We deliver data every day, but but also we're continuously developing how we monitor and track things to make sure. We're, we're uh, dealing with all the new services and, and also we know people want a reliable and trusted um, set of data. So we, we do take time to do things properly and make sure the, um, the, out, the outputs of our research can be trusted. So f forgive me for not talking directly about one of the services, but, but I think whether you're Netflix or ITVX or BBC iPlayer or Amazon Prime Video, we think there's a great deal of insight in our information to help you 
make the right plans to be as successful as possible. Yeah, well, you answered the question without answering the question. So thank you. Well, I've enjoyed the chat. Is there anything there you would like to add? No, I think it's great to talk to you, John. Good to meet you. And thanks for giving me the opportunity to talk about what we're up to and what's coming next. Just stay in touch. Yeah, no, good. Thank you for listening to the Drums TV Talks podcast. You can read more about these interviews and some of our news coverage at The Future of TV on the Drum. And we have a weekly newsletter coming out every Monday that you can subscribe to on the site. Thanks for listening.